It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Do the Denver Nuggets have a championship mentality? What are Joker's stats going to look like at the end of the year? Plus, we look ahead to the Blazers game tonight. All that and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network. Thanks for joining us and making this your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Glad to have you with us on a Thursday. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares of DMVR, director of content. You can find him on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show, we're going to talk about, do the Nuggets have a championship mentality? What does that mean? Can you have it this early in the season? We're going to take a look at the stat lines for the season and whether Denver can go above or beyond player by player on some of those stat lines. And the third segment, we're going to take a look at the Portland Trailblazers game on Thursday night and how they match up and what we think the outcome will be. We'll preview that game in the final segment. Uh, Adam, we'll start here with, I've been thinking a lot about this because, so the Boston Celtics went on the road last night to the Phoenix Suns house. Oh man, I caught that one. This is what's funny, man. This is how I am. That game was over by the time I switched over to it. I'll watch the rest of it. Nice. I just enjoyed the 40 point. It was like the dumbest game that I was just like, you know what? I'll have this on in the background. I don't care. And they absolutely, the Celtics just absolutely smashed Phoenix, just destroyed them. 
they were up 45 or something. It was like, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it was honestly reminiscent of game seven last year against Dallas. That's how down the, that's how much they were just completely dominating. Here's how this should work. Okay. How it yeah. should work is my reaction to that should be like, man, the Celtics are going to win the title. How could they be stopped? Look at this team. Look at what they put together. As long as they're healthy, this team is going to absolutely dominate. This is one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. And instead, Adam, um, I may be a contrarian, but it's not <laughs> It's not reflective here. My genuine reaction is to be like, awful early to be playing like this. It's awful early to be playing this well. It's awful early to be jumping on teams like this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're... the thing about it is, Matt, and I hope you're not offended by this, you're often, it's not even the contrarian. It's what's the big takeaway? And then what's the secondary takeaways? And then you go to the secondary takeaways and make them the big takeaways. That's my that's my opinion. So you're not wrong here. I think the answer is also that the Celtics are really freaking good. Are they yeah. peaking too early? Might also be true. Like that might also be a big part of this equation. But they're really good. They're really confident. They have their swagger. But I do think that if you ask me what the more interesting takeaway I think it's what you're getting to. The Celtics were, this is from Kellen Olson, who writes for um, a site in Arizona. The Celtics were absolutely ruthless, a familiar site in Footprint Center, but not in those jerseys. Quote, it's funny. They looked a lot like we did last year, Chris Paul said. Coming off a finals loss, they looked like a well-oiled machine. They, the, Celt- the Suns also talked about how they had so much more physicality and jumped all over it, and they were just more men- more engaged. <laughs> That's a fire than- quote, by the way, man. You almost like... You didn't even put the punctuation on it. I like it. It reminds me a lot of us last year as a great Chris Paul's good at this too. Like, you know, this Chris Paul is good at that right there. Like, Oh, we just got our butts kicked. How do I throw a zinger? That doesn't sound like an unintentional zinger. That's what he said. That's what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and there, there's like conversations about the about the mentality and like how they jumped on. The Celtics play so hard in every single game, and they jump all over you. They're not a try hard team. They made the, the finals last year. That's not a try hard team. I've seen try hard teams. Tom Thibodeau's coached them a lot, um, but they also are definitely like they have no coast in them. And it's, I'm not saying this from the perspective. The the natural takeaway is like, and this is why the Nuggets are good because they don't try as hard. Instead, it's a matter of, I don't know, everyone kind of jumps to this idea. So like, let me, you're right that I do jump to those secondary and third ideas. The most obvious question of why does a team play with intent, purpose, physicality, and intensity? The most natural response to that is that's coaching, right? It's got to be coaching because the coach sets the mentality and the idea of the team. And what's interesting about that is... Here, I will say one thing, though. It could be something there. I mean, one of the things that's so fascinating about the Celtics is that they're in their third coach in three years. There is maybe something, too, like the freshness of it when you don't, when you don't like, absolutely get it wrong. You don't Brian Shaw yourself. Maybe there is something, too. The freshness of a new coach brings that enthusiasm. And maybe that's true because Brad Stevens is so well-regarded as a coach in the first year after he left, they played like they had started to play not as hard for Brad in his last season. And then the right. first season under Rudoka, they played really hard. And then they played really hard this year. Um, my kind of response for that would, would also though tie into the Suns, 
where the Suns were the team that played extremely hard both last year and then coming off the finals or two years ago and then coming off the finals loss last year. And now they're just kind of like a good team. That's yeah. that's really the difference. And if you pay attention to Suns Twitter, that's how they feel. Is like right. they think they need a trade. The Suns have the best record, or until last night, had the best record in the Western Conference. Right. And their fans are like, we need a trade. This is not good because they recognize that the team is not playing with that same level of intensity, that yeah. they don't have that same kind of spark. The same kind of things that Denver fans, I think, are experiencing, despite the fact that the, that the Nuggets have a better roster this season. Right? Yeah. And so I like this comment real quick. I like Danny Perry says it's culture. Sometimes it's tied to coaching. Sometimes it isn't. I, I agree. Like, I think a lot of times it's just like, how is a team feeling? And yes. what are all the reasons that brought that feeling to the table? So some of it for the Celtics is probably new coach, new system. There's like a newness to it. But a lot of it is probably we were so close last year. Like we were so yeah. close. Let's get over the hump. 2014, the Spurs won 67 or 60 yep. plus games. Like, I think it was 67 yep. ish games. Um, and then they almost lost to the Mavericks in the first round, but they won the title. Yeah. Um, so like this stuff is my, my big thing. The thing I try and get to is, and what's, this is what's so fascinating for me is that it is ephemeral. It's not concrete. Like I pay attention to a lot of concrete factors. I'm talking about things like how do you play and pick it? Like what's your points per possession average and different pick and roll coverages. It does not get more niche and like, concrete yeah. than that that is simply like and that's why i pay attention to the plus minus it's just like x thing happened right? right like this is what has occurred when when they're on the court but the keys in in you know the celtics plus minus is amazing okay so why and it's well if you watch them they shoot the lights out and they play hard as hell that's honestly like the key to the celtics is they shoot the lights out and they play hard as hell and I feel like you would say, like, well, also their offense is free-flowing. I've seen their offense be free-flowing in the past and them not be as effective because they were not playing with this kind of verve, right? I will say, though, the Celtics are also supremely talented. Like, they just have a lot of guys that can beat you. Are they? And they have, and they have one guy. You don't think they're, they're talented? I don't think they're supremely talented, no. I, what I mean is, I think that they have a great superstar who's playing at an insane level right now in Jason Tatum. They yep. have a really good number two in Jalen Brown. He's and playing exceptionally well. Playing except like Jalen's ridiculously, I know, in terms of shooting right now. He's never they're on shot. fire. But then they just yeah. have a bunch of guys who are like problems. You know, like they just have a bunch of guys that give some that bring something to the table. And on any given night, you might hold Brown and Tatum to a good number, although most teams are not. And then you have to worry about a smart or a Brogdon or a White or just some other guy that's like not a great player, but capable of like hurting you in a quarter in a way where you're like, man, we shut off all the other avenues and they still got this guy going off. Who has a better top three in talent, the Nuggets or the Celtics? I mean, right now, probably the Celtics. Because I think, you know, Jokic, number one. But Tatum is right there. Like, Tatum's playing like an MVP this year, so I have to give it to him. So Denver has the edge at number one. But I think number two is an easy edge to the Celtics. And then when you get to number three, who's Denver's number three right now? I think Aaron Gordon is the number two for Denver. So number three is... Michael Porter Jr.? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I mean, Jamal's been good. I mean, they both had their stretches, right, of, of really good and really bad. But it's also, it's guys like, it's guys like Grant Williams... Grant Williams is a good player, I think. Yeah, he's good. Like, I'm not saying that. See, here's the thing. I'm not saying that they're not good. I think they are all good. Like, there's not a weak point in their rotation. Who's just good defensively on Denver as Grant Williams? No, no one. 
Yeah, so that's my point. Like, all right, so even though he's just a role player and he's just good, he's probably the best defender of the two teams. Or but better than any defender on the on the on the uh, Denver but roster. I think, it's an though, like, but I think it's also an interesting question. Does Grant Williams look like this kind of defender no matter where he goes? Because I think he doesn't look like this. I think he looks like this in Boston. And I think when he gets paid by another team, I think Boston knows that, and that's why they're not going to give him the extension. Could be. Like, and that's and that's part of it. And I think. But you could say um, the same thing the for question- Draymond. But he's a great defender, and all that matters is he's a great defender where he is. So. I mean, Grant Williams is tough, man. Like when they when Denver played, like Grant Williams was a big factor on Jokic. That's rare. What happened? Um, so I think a lot of it is like the Nuggets are definitely missing something in regards to because somebody said this that did the, the Dustin said this. Do the Nuggets need a chip on their shoulder? I feel like they should be playing that way. And that's really what a lot of people kind of came into the year expecting, right? Was that they would jump on teams. They have to figure out, they have to problem solve. I think that's different than a chip on your shoulder. Boston, while they have a new coach and some new things in place, I still think they largely knew what they were and have and needed to perfect it and the intensity. Denver kind of has to discover who they are. They have never discovered who they are with Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Jokic. That's part of the discovery path. They don't know who they are with this bench unit. So, I think it's hard to be the full throttle Celtics version when you're still trying to figure out that many things. Yeah. And I think, and I'll just, I will continue to say this. I don't think this is the way that the league should be. I don't prefer it this way, but this is just what I've seen. It's better to find that out in January and February and in March than it is in December. It's just better. I don't know what else to say. Do you, so you don't think the Celtics are going to maintain this pace? Which, to be fair, no team maintains this pace, especially offensively all year. But I kind of expect them to be easily the number one seed in the NBA this year. Like, I just think that they're probably, as much as they can have a month of regression or even a stretch of, of regression, mm-hmm. I, I still think they're going to be the number one seed by a good margin. Yeah. I think the Bucs beat them in six. The Bucs are the second best team. So like, that's... Yeah. That's not I mean, even a hot take to me. That's just like yeah, but okay. that's the thing though. If but if, but right now, Boston should be a massive favorite over even the Bucks. That's how good they are. Yeah, I mean, I mean that part okay is fair. Like you know, you can't tell a juggernaut in this this early. But they do look like the best team. Like they look like the favorite. That's the best I can say is they look like the favorite. The Bucks look like the second favorite, and then all these other teams look like they're kind of in Denver's boat to various degrees. Where you're like, I think they're good, but we haven't seen it yet. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about, uh, we'll look at some Nuggets stat lines for the season. We'll talk about whether they're going to go over or under those numbers. We'll do that when we come back on Locked On Nuggets. But first thing to tell you about LinkedIn jobs, you know, finding the right person for your business is such an important part of success. You've got to be able to find the right person and make sure you've got the right candidates that you're going to interview. And that's why you need to check out LinkedIn jobs. It helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We'll be right back. Unlocked on Nuggets.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Back here on Locked On Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making this part of your day and your first listen. Make sure your second listen is Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories in sports, you get to go behind the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Adam, we're going to do a little bit of over-under on the current stat lines for your Denver Nuggets. Do you want to go ahead and start with the main man, Nikola Jokic? Let's do it. Um, do you want me to go through the stat line? You go through it. Jokic currently sitting at a 20, an even 23 points, 10 rebounds, and 8.9. So we'll say nine assists. So 23, 10, and 9. He's also shooting 63% from the field, um, 32% from three. Where, what do you see that rounding out at? 23, 10, and 9. What do, you, what do you see going up? What do you see going down? Or is this more or less what he's going to be this year? Uh, this feels a little uh, about right. Maybe I think a little bit down on scoring uh, because MPJ has been out. So I think MPJ takes some of the shots that he's taken. Um, it was funny. His over under on points per, per game this season was 27. And like, I laughed when I saw that and bet the under, I was like, that's, that was a no. lock. Yeah. That no. Um, the uh, 27, asked, by the way, he'd have to average what 29 a game, basically the rest of the season to get to yeah. 27. So that one's almost already a lock. I think the rebounds are solid. I think the, the assists might be a little, well, no, I'll, I'll say the assists might be, it's a career might high. be right about where, where they're at. Like, yeah, it, he, he's more likely to have high assist, low scoring games. I think with this lineup and roster at full health than he is to have high scoring, low assist games. Right. Nine assists though is already up one from last year and it's up 0.6 from his career best, which was 2021 when everybody else, you know, that's the last season everybody was healthy. So nine, that to me also feels about right. I don't see him getting that over 10, even if he, he goes back into pass mode, which by the way, I don't know that he's going to. If I look at this stat line, I think they're more or less right. I actually think his points might go up a little bit, 23 and a half to 24, because I do think he's turned on the scoring a little bit. Like I think that was an early season set the table. I think he knows he has to be more aggressive, um, but I don't think it'll be by much. If I were to guess at the end of the year, I'd say like 23.7, his rebounds maybe go up a little bit, 10 and a half. And then his assist stay where they are, 8.9. Uh, let's talk shooting percentages because I want to get your perspective on this. Uh, 63% is obviously just liquid in, insanity fire, but I will say that most guys in the league right now are shooting really like Jokic is shooting at the rim about what a player of his caliber and efficiency would in this season with where percentages are. Do you think that's early season or do you think that there's something to the NBA getting better offensively? I think there's something to the NBA getting better offensively. 
Me too. I think I think after two years of really, I think it's one of those things where you have two really drag ass seasons where everybody was exhausted and the off seasons were short. And this summer, everyone was just really excited to play basketball again. And they have more time off. And they, I don't know if that's it. To me, it might just be that the NBA is getting like people are figuring out the new NBA. I have here's a take I'm workshopping, Matt. I don't know if I believe it yet, but you might find this one interesting. I wonder if young players have an unusual advantage, meaning not common across the last 50, 60 years, an unusual advantage over older players right now in that they the NBA has evolved so much over the last 10 years that the younger players are growing up a little bit more um, in this style of basketball than older players. And what I mean by that is even oh, 30-year-old players okay. who are not considered old, they were in the league when the Curry renaissance happened. Young players who are 21 years old grew up practicing that style of basketball. There's still older player vets are more talented and there's all these other aspects. I'm just saying that's unusually more um, like innate in some of these young players to play certain styles where older players had to adapt to them. I think that's part of it. I have another one for you. Did you know that this season is the first that we've seen in the last six seasons where switch defense has a worse percentage points allowed given up than drop or at the level coverage? That's wild. I wonder why. Uh, because I think teams have finally gotten used to playing it. If I you mean, notice, the, of course, the, one yeah. week, the, the one weak spot on the Boston Celtics is their defense. They're a switch all team. A lot. The Heat have been one of the best teams in the league because they throw a bunch of weird stuff at you. Miami struggled in that area. Like right. it's kind of interesting to think about. Like I do think that teams are going to have to find the next big thing to go to yeah. defensively because just like, well, I'll just switch everything and that'll muck things up. Isn't working the way it used to. Yep, I think there's something to that. But anyway, um, that's why I was looking at these young teams that aren't as bad as they usually are for a tanking team. Like the outside of the Celtics, the top and bottom seem a little bit closer than in most years. And I think some of that just has to do with these young guys get threes up there, like Bones. Is he like a well-polished player? No, but he knows how to get his threes up off the dribble, which is a huge, a huge skill. Snail says, so we should play young players over old players? Bet. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's exactly it. All right, next um, guy. Next no, guy. wait, wait. I got. I got to ask you because this is a big thing. Jokic is at thirty-two percent from three. We. I need. I need. I'm not gonna. I don't know. I need your thoughts on Jokic in the three-point line. I mean, he's thirty-two percent every year, so I, I. He's probably gonna be between thirty and thirty-four percent. So I think I mean, he's a thirty-four career. Last year he was at thirty-four. He had a thirty-eight, then a thirty-two, thirty-one. Ah, I think thirty-two is about right. I never. That's the one part of his game I just don't have that much confidence in. Okay. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's do Jamal. Jamal Murray is at 17 and a half points, 3.7 rebounds, which Malone thinks needs to go up and five assists. He's also shooting 43% from this field and 36% from the three point line. So 17 and a half, four and five will round up. I'll go slightly above. I think he finishes 18.5. Okay. And that's mostly based off of, I think his two pointer will, will improve his three point shots actually been pretty solid at 36%. That's good for a guy coming off of the injury that he's coming I off. Agree. Of. Um, you know, what's weird is that 78% from the line. That's, that's a number mm. that you have to expect goes up because he's been yeah. so good as a free throw shooter historically. Like that's definitely the injury. Um, five assists feels a little high for him. Does that, do you agree with that or no? 
No, I mean, I think his, I think every, what's funny about Jamal's numbers is if you go but through the last several years, they're like identical to what he's been. Like Jamal's yeah. kind of actually playing at the level. The only difference, the noticeable difference in his output is getting to the rim. He's not getting to the rim like he used to, but his points per minute are basically in line with, with what they've been. Points per 30, yeah. here's 20. Points per 36 last year, he was healthy, 21 and a half. Points per 36 this year, 21.2. Yeah, I mean, I look at it and go, 2021, right? In the 48 games he played that season, and that was a a season where he was exhausted coming off the bubble. 21 points per game, 48% from the field, 41% from three, uh, four four rebounds, and 4.8 assists. So, like I said, probably like more in the 4.8 range, maybe 4.7, 4.5. Maybe it's five just because of the the level of talent, like the conversion rate on assists is higher. Uh, I do expect it, look – I said this consistently that guys in the first year after the injury, they come back and they, their field goal percentage drops. I got asked on the uh, fan war room before the season, like, well, he spent the entire year off. How's that affect it? And I was like, I don't necessarily know that it does. I think a lot of it is just, it's about rhythm, comfort, and getting used to where your body's at. Um, coming off the injury, you have to get used to a new body, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Jamal is very much, I think, getting used to a new body. Here's, here's what's an interesting one. He's actually getting to the rim sort of in line. I mean, he's at 15% of his shots are at the rim. Career is 18. Last year he was healthy. It was only 12. So maybe there's a stylistic change there. I'm not noticing. Um, but the field goal percentage at 64% is actually his career average. So he's always been this this level of finisher at the rim, which is a little interesting. Last season he was healthy. It was 81. It was a big jump. So I don't know what to make of Jamal. I there, the, the more cynical part of me says, you know, we, we've talked about this, I think, offline, that he always has been like this, where he's had months where he just looks like he's not that quick, not that scoring, he looks like this. And then he has these pockets where he looks like a superstar. And maybe this is a typical Jamal rhythm, less than a getting back from injury Jamal rhythm. Probably a little blending of the two, but that's why he's so hard to project. Let's do Aaron. AG, oh man. Aaron Gordon's at 16.6 points per game, third leading score, 16.6. He's about six and a half rebounds, 6.7, 2.3 assists. And then the crazy one is he's shooting 62% from the field and 40% from three. So if I round up 16 and a half, seven and two, what do you think, Matt? He's at 40% from three and 64% from the line. I, I have to look and find if there is a closer <laughs> gap between those two figures amongst any heavy <laughs> minute player in the league uh, that shoots this many. I, I think it's, it's easy to go ahead and say the three pointer will regress. I think it's important to credit him for how he shot this season from three, because when he takes those shots, there's kind of a, uh, from everyone. And then it's like, Oh, Hey, and he's hit some of those transition threes. And those have been big momentum plays. Yeah. For the Nuggets. Like, that's a very valuable shot when AG's hitting them. And here's the thing AG's just done whatever everybody's asked him. Hey, you need to play tougher inside. Got it. No problem. We'll do. Yeah. He's absolutely been just a beast bullying multiple defenders inside. Uh, yeah. Hey, you need to be able to hit some threes on the outside. No problem. Got it. Like, I, I have just so much respect for how Aaron has approached this season and playing with this team. Um, 17. Probably um, rebounds might go down 17, six, two sounds about right. Depends on how much he plays with the bench. Cause I kind of like the idea of him at five. I kind of think that might be like a, a viable small ball five option. Mm. Um, like I kind of like to see him stagger with Zeke in the second unit. I'd like to see that. 
Uh, I mean, I would, yeah, it would be an interesting one for it'd be sure. Interesting. I don't know if we're going to see it, but so, yeah. you know, we'll see, but I don't think, I don't think we're going to see a massive drop off. I don't think he'll go. I don't think he'll, because he's already off to such a good start this, this many through the year. I don't think we'll see him at 33% from three. He'll probably yeah. be somewhere between like 35 and 38. You, know? you should also remember that he missed like his almost all of his first 23. So he's actually shooting even better than that lately. But nonetheless, I'm not going to buy it. Like, I think he, his, he's at 40%. He'll probably finish at like 36 or something. I mean, the thing that's that's interesting is he could shoot 40% on the volume he's shooting, which is decent volume. He's taking three a game. And would teams still leave him open in the playoffs? I think yes. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll, leave him open. they'll be like, they'll leave him open. They'll try and, and create high pressure situations for him. Yeah, but I do buy that he's going to continue to have this great season. So if his numbers there, dip from 16.6, they won't dip by that much, in large part because I think the interior stuff, I think that's not going anywhere. There are two guys – there There were two shots actually from KCP that encapsulated this in the last game. If guys catch it wide open and they try and set, settle, and fire, I feel like their percentage rate, and this is across the league, is like 30%. Right. And I think right. if they just catch and fire on an open look – in normal rhythm that isn't hurried, I think their conversion rate's like 40 to 45%. Uh, should we take our break and keep this going? Because there's some interesting ones ahead, but I know we're long. Uh, yeah, we can do that. We can preview the game uh, real quickly at the end. Quick so preview. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll do that. We'll come back and we'll talk more about the stat lines for the Nuggets when we come back on Locked on Nuggets. First, I need to tell you about Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. I talked up my game too much last night, and I had a one and seven night last night. It was a brutal night in the association. I got... Way too overconfident. Took money lines instead of just doing the spread. We've been a lot better on those. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Final segment here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and being a part of the show. Lots of folks hanging out in the comments section. We're talking about what we think the Nuggets stat lines are going to look like uh, by the end of the season. Uh, I can do Michael Porter Jr. for you, Adam. Uh, 16.4 points. Okay. I was going to, well, okay, go go for it. 16.4 points per game, six rebounds, 1.3 assists, 1.1 turnovers, Zero point six steals, which is not bad. He's got basically a stock of steals and blocks per game. Shooting forty seven percent from the field, forty three percent now from three point range, and eighty percent from yeah. the line. So, what do you think about MPJ and where his game goes from here? Um, the number one where I would want to start with this, Matt, is games played. He's at sixteen out of twenty four. 
Um, so basically two thirds of games. That's the number I'm most curious about if that goes up or down. Is he going to play in two thirds of the games this season when it's all said and done? Um, so I would start there and then I would just look at the points per game. It's so hard, man. Michael Porter's the hardest one to project. I'll still go up because I think his numbers for one came down a lot in the games he played without Jokic, which I just don't think he'll do again. Um, I think they'll go up, but I'm probably not optimistic about him playing in two thirds of the games. He's averaging 12.9 shots per game compared to Aaron at 10.3. And because uh, Aaron's drawing a ton of free throws and Jamal at 15.3. Does he need more than 13 point sh- 13 shots per game? So hard to remember, right? <laughs> because, but I would say this was an absolute yes up until the, the, you know, the games where Jokic and Murray didn't play. And then it's like, man, this guy can't get a shot off. So maybe he's getting the exact amount of shots he needs because he can't get anything else. I'm still going to say yes, but again, it's completely predicated on the fa- on whether or not he can get back on the court and stay on the court for another extended stretch. If it's 16 games at a time, it's just going to be tough. It's so hard to build a rhythm and a chemistry with a team when you're 16 on, 10 off. I have a hot take. Uh, his three points percentage will finish better than this at the end of the season. I don't. Is that a hot take? He was at like forty nine percent until the yeah, but you expected to regress back to like forty because that was so. It already regressed. Is my point? He shot like three of thirty his last three games. Fair. Uh, I think he probably goes up. I think he'll have a streak. Like here's the thing. I think I think MPJ goes in stretches. I think he's going to have a stretch sometime in January, February, March, where he's the best player, and we're talking about how incredible he is, and he and like he has like a forty point game, and then I think he'll probably have a lot of stretches where it's like yeah, you know. Not not great from MPJ. It's going to be inconsistent. Um, I will say, you know, I I don't know how worried. I get it. For uh, not only do I get it, I truly do understand all the concern based off of his availability. But like, he's not out with back soreness. You know, he's got a yeah. foot bruise. Foot bruise, and you can't play on foot bruise. He's out. He's expected to come back soon. Uh, it's like he's he gets to have the normal wear and tear of most NBA players. Like he doesn't need to be more durable because he's had two back surgeries. He gets to have the same number of like, yeah, he's got an ankle or whatever. Right. I just think you always will question whether these things are related. For example, Matt, is it on the drop foot? The heel bruise? Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Let's go to bones. Bones Highlands at 14 and a half points, two rebounds, 3.4 assists, and he's shooting 44% from three on 6.4 threes, which, by the way, is the second most. It is more threes per game than Jamal Murray, who is playing eight more minutes than him. So 14 and a half is really the only number to look at than 44%. You know, what's, what's really interesting is how rough he started the year. Because I put a bet on him for six man of the year in mid-November because before he got hurt, he was leading the league in scoring off of the bench um, after October. So it's kind of an interesting question of, you know, which guy is he? I I still am trying to figure that out, I think, a little bit. I think if we look at the three-point percentage – let me get, I want to you know your thoughts on it. What do you think about his shooting efficiency and if that's going to continue? I mean, 44% is ridiculous. So I have to think it's going to regress. I mean, if he's getting, because the volume of shots he's taking right now is, is also wild. And on a per 36 uh, minute basis, he's up to 11 threes per game. That's Steph Curry territory. I think Steph Curry is 12 per 36. So he's taking Steph Curry volume of threes 
and hitting Steph Curry efficiency of threes right now. I mean, if he is that, then we got to change the whole equation for the Denver Nuggets. Like, we got to hold on a second timeout. So, um, I, it's, I have to assume it's going to regress. I don't know that the volume will. People don't like sometimes the shot selection because the threes he takes are wild. Until he starts missing them, I just don't mind them. That's me. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm still, I'm just stubborn and old. I mean, uh, he's going to go through a slump and then it's going to kill you. So, like, but I, I just want to see, man. Like, he's a great shooter. He yeah, really he is, is a great shooter. shooter. Um, this is since November 1st amongst all bench players who have played at least 10 games. Bones is sixth or fifth, I'm sorry, in uh, bench scoring at 16 points per game, uh, shooting 43% from the field and 44% from three. In that stretch, he's only averaging 3.3 assists. Do his assists go up or down? Uh, I think up because the assists to me are a function of a functional second unit, and I think Denver will find that in the rest of the season. Is there anybody else whose stat line you want to go through? Do you want to go through Bruce or Casey? Just Bruce. I mean, if we can go quickly through Bruce's here. Um, what do we have on his? 11.3 points per game, 47% from the field, 41% from three, uh, 4.5 boards, which is pretty impressive given that he plays 30 minutes per game, and yeah. 4.5 assists per game. He's averaging 11.5 and 5, which is that's really good. Yeah. Um, 1.1 steals and 0.5 blocks. You and I have been on uh, kind of a – you know, Bruce Brown will be under well. And I think the defense can definitely improve, especially they need to find different matchups for him where he can be more effective. But Bruce Brown's still really good and really helpful for this team. He's really good. I mean, it's funny. I think he's going to, all those numbers are going down. And I think the biggest reason they're going down is 30 minutes per game, I think goes down. That's the highest in his career by, I think, eight minutes. Um, but in a lot of that was guys were out. Michael Porter was out. So you play him a little bit more. I think his minute totals go down, but I'm with you. This is by no means, Bruce is a great player and a great piece of the team. I don't think he is the fix to Denver's defensive problems as evidenced by the fact that they continue to be completely terrible on the defensive end. I, I don't know about the, the, the minutes thing. And the reason I say that is I, he feels he's just too multi-positional. <laughs> if it's not yeah. Michael Porter, it's going to be the other guy that goes down and then we're like, oh, yeah, under there. Yeah. It, I mean, th yeah, that's the thing. If Jamal's out, who starts? Bruce yeah, Brown. Right. If, right. if, if Casey I think, I out, still go down though. I still think they'll go down. Like the the, fir the first three players in the rotation, Jamal, KCP, and MPJ, Bruce Brown is the sub for yeah. all three of those players. So the one thing I'll say is I think Christian Brown is in line for more minutes, and he probably eats up just two minutes of Bruce Brown. Like not a lot, but just he's that's probably one of the guys whose minutes he takes, um, gives a little rest to. And then – I don't know. I, I just, he's at 30 minutes. I would bet from here on out, he's somewhere around 27 minutes per game. Uh, somebody mentioned in the comments that the plus minus is a huge concern for him. What do you think? I, I think here's my take on individual plus minus. All of it has to be taken with you. It all should have you asking questions. So sure. Why is it like that? But I would say in large part, it's because Bruce is the solve to Denver's problems and he doesn't solve Denver's problems, but it's not that he is a problem. It's that it's, hey, can we stick him in this lineup that's not working to save it? And the answer is no. But it's the lineup that was bad, not Bruce that was bad in that lineup. The idea coming into the season was that Bruce Brown could be the secondary creator next to Bones Highland. And like, oh, that makes sense. Like Bones is on ball, heavy usage, creator. And then like Bruce is the connector. And those have been the worst minutes. In 203 minutes, they're minus 80 together. Like, that that combo in port particular has been really rough. And that's like that's with and without DJ. Um 
So yeah. maybe they figure now the other answer there is like, maybe it's not a combination that doesn't work. Maybe they just got to figure out how to make it work, but Could that's be. been the combo. That's been really bad. Yeah. I would, I mean, I would agree. Let's talk about the Blazers game. So they play the Portland Trail Blazers tonight. The Blazers, uh, I, I think a, for a lot of people, they're a surprising team. I took the over on them because I was really kind of weirded out by how much everybody was like, eh, Portland's going to be, be not good. And I was like, they have Dame. They're they're going to be good. They may not be great. They'll be good. Um, Jeremy Grant's played well this season. I think Yusuf Nurkic is having, and everyone knows how what this means if I say it, I think Yusuf Nurkic has played really well this season. Um, Anthony Simons, obviously, the Nuggets know what he can do. He His best game of the season came versus Denver. Um there are 13 and 11. Whoever wins this game um, will have the lead for the division. Um, the Blazers can catch the Nuggets in the standings tonight with a win. Um, they are five and five at home, eight and six on the road. Blazers this season have been they've had they've been missing Dame for so much. Like I'm pretty high on them based off of the fact that Dame hasn't been available. Like they, they keep getting judged on their overall performance. And I'm like, yeah, but they, they got to have Dame. Like that's vital for them. Um, and point differential this season, non-garbage time at cleaning the glass. Portland's at minus 1.1. So that's not great. But again, I think this gets back into it when they're fully healthy. I think this team's really good. This is going to be a tough matchup for Denver. Really tough. I don't expect them to win it. Um, yeah. Quick guards have killed Denver really in the past and in the present. And you've got that here. I don't think it's a total coincidence that Anthony Simons went off like he did in the last one. He got really hot. But look, Jose Alvarado got really hot against Denver. <laughs> That's yep. probably something to it. So um, I think it's a really tough matchup. Denver needs a stable. It's funny because you have a big homestand coming up after this, but it would really be nice to enter that homestand on a win. It really is funny how much it would kind of swing the way you feel about the team. If you get a win tonight and then you get all these home games in a row, you just go back to feeling, you know, cautiously optimistic about the Nuggets. If you lose this one, Saturday's game gains a little bit more pressure. So um, I don't expect Denver to win. And I'm surprised, by the way, Matt, that the line's only minus one for Portland. The numbers are always going to love Denver. They're just they're they're going to be, this is all still heavily weighted towards preseason too. And that's the other thing is the books are always, it's, they're anchored to their preseason lines. Right. And if you look at the Blazers with, I think a 39 and a half win total and the nuggets with a 49, that's where that comes from. Um, yeah, I expect them. I, I think the Blazers win tonight. Both of us think that I'll also say this, if they win 125, 124, I don't think you can be like, Phew! I think even then it's like, they need to have, they need to have a game where, they show that they're the aggressor. They need to have a game where they show they're the better team. They need to have a game where they show they have the kind of mentality they need. They haven't done it. So the question tonight, who plays off the bench? Oh, Lord. DeAndre, uh, Z, Christian Brown, Davon. I don't. Yeah. I honestly don't know. I think it's possible he goes back to the vets. I, I think, I think, I think if if we're giving him the benefit of the doubt here, which you don't have to, but if you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, I think that he really that he was whatever it was they want to get through the Christian got through, and he understands like I can't play Davon. Like he tried to be like, yeah, well if you don't do what I need to, I will just start Davon. And they watched those games and then was like, I can't play Davon anymore. I think he's. Again, I, usually he makes moves that are several, like two or three game blocks. So I kind of suspect that tonight will be a similar um, block as the last one. Like Christian Brown will play. I don't know about DeAndre, but I just think Christian over Davon will be the move. But 
it's tough because you're getting ready to go up on a homestand where I feel like that's where things normalize. And I wonder if you play Christian tonight and lose again, do you go back? <laughs> Is that like the like, oh, it didn't work. We're going to move on. To, let's go back to the old ways. That's the one thing I would worry about. So we'll see. I thought Christian was good last game. Hopefully he's good this game. 5-0 and and Christian Brown plays more than 15 minutes as a Nuggets fan on Twitter. Some of the, I hate those stats more than any other stats. Like some of that, how much is that when Denver was up 20 play? Houston, you're up 20, so he played 15 minutes. Like come on. He didn't, he, yeah, I think it's, what is it? He tried to remove some of the garbage time from that stat too. I checked it this morning and it wasn't as, oh. it wasn't as garbage timey as I thought it was. All right, let's go wrap it up for Locked On Nuggets. We'll have a recap tomorrow. We'll break down the Blazers game as well as get you set for the weekend. Hope you guys have a great day. Finish off your week strong here, folks. Have yourselves an enjoyable day. We'll see you again tomorrow on Locked On Nuggets. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.